Kayla gave her life to Jesus Christ this week. And Hannah, where's Hannah? Wait for this, Hannah. Where's Hannah? Hannah, 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 Hannah. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. Where's Hannah? Oh, she walked out. <laughs> and Hannah also went to the camp. And so they had a glorious experience. Not only uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and with others who were in sports, but particularly with each other. And two of our own then built relationship with one another. And it has just been beautiful. And, and, it is, and it is beautiful. We will look today at Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. And we'll look at the whole chapter if we have time. I don't know how long it will take. We might not finish the whole chapter today. Then we'll finish it next week. But, and we look a little bit at Luke, the 4th chapter as well. Verses 1 through 4. And then we look at verses 14 and 18. And if we have time, we look at Acts 12, 23 as well. So Deuteronomy 8, the whole chapter. And I would like to read that to you, uh, first of all. Are you there? Sometimes I wonder if when we put the scripture on the screen... We are doing you a favor or a disfavor. We are doing you a favor because it makes it convenient for you to just look at the screen and see the scriptures. It is a a disfavor from the standpoint of that now you don't have to open your Bible. And you don't use your Bible. And you don't make notes in your Bible. And you don't underline in in your Bible. And you just look at the the screen. So you just have to discern for yourself uh, what works best for you. And then... We'll continue to give it on the screen. I myself, I like, you know, I haven't preached from an iPad yet or from my phone or whatever. I, I, I like the book. Um, if somebody preaches from the iPad, no problemo. It works for them, that's fine. Uh, I, I just like, you know, paper and pencil and pen and red pen and blue pen and black pen and purple pen and orange pen uh, to, to, to make notes and so on and so forth. Chapter 8 out of Deuteronomy. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you and test you to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. Allowed you to be hunger. To hungry or to hunger. And fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know. That or so that he might make you to know. That man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God. To walk in his ways and to fear him. 
For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks, of water, and fountains, and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God and the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, that is to say when pride comes in, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, you, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Whoa. Okay, I, that's enough. Give us an invitation and we can play some music and we can go home. You can't improve on, on the word of the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy is a, uh, a, a special book. It is a book that is uh, quoted in the New Testament 80 times. And it is quoted by the Lord Jesus Christ more than any other Old Testament book. Um, so it is, it is special and it has instructions for us. In particular, this eighth chapter over here. I want to bring out some of the instructions that God has for us that are absolutely, absolutely marvelous. And so, uh, the title of the sermon today is, Out of, Through, Into. Out of, comma, through, comma, into. Now, he gives us quite a bit of explanation as to uh, through, and as to into, and gives us just a little bit of what he brought us out of. But we know enough 
from the history uh, uh, of Moses and, and, and the people of Israel that he brought us out of a, a, a place of slavery, a place called Egypt, a place of bondage where things were not good. And then he brought them through the great and terrible wilderness which God sustained them every which way that even their clothes would not wear out. And he brought us and brought them, but we're making a comparison with us, yes, because even the Old Testament is there not only for history and doctrine and teaching, but also as an example for us today how to live uh, with God and for God. And then uh, he brought us into a good land. Then it was a physical land for us. This morning, I'll explain it. It's a spiritual land that God brings us into and gives us spiritual power by which also, that is also manifested in physical and material things as well. And we'll, we'll talk about some of these things. But for, from where we're looking, it is primarily a spiritual deal um, with material and physical consequences as well. So the out of, through, and into is not necessarily sequential here. Uh, Moses goes back and forth a little bit. He starts with through, verses 1 through 6. Then he goes into, into, verses 7 through 14. Then he goes back to through again, the wilderness, verses 15 and 16. And then again in, into the land that he has brought us into, verses 18 through 20. So we will follow that line as well. Uh, as the children of Israel are going through this experience that is described here in the 8th chapter, and that goes for many, many, many chapters and many, many books in the Bible, uh, he says, first of all, in verse 1, that keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And then he says, this if you keep the commandments, the, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do or to observe. So that is to say that when God is asking you to be obedient, he expects you to do what he's asking you to do. Yes? Okay. To, to do. That, that. So that. This is part of the reason and the purpose for which he is wanting you to keep these commandments. And he says, first of all, uh, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your father. So let us look at it. To do, to be careful to keep and to be obedient to the Lord, he says that you may live, that you might have a life not only in those times that he would actually live physically, but in this life, in, the, in, in our area, era uh, of, of, of the, 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 the New Testament, the, the grace period, that this would be then uh, uh, the living, the life that God has for us. Not everybody that breathes, whose heart is pumping, lives the life that God has for them. They live, they made their own life maybe. But to live the life that God has for you is when we keep His commandments and we're obedient, He takes us into an arena 
into an arena that we can really have the life that he has for us. The God life, if you will. Or somebody might say the Christ life, if you will. To live. And to multiply. That I'm bringing it to us today, right? That we might multiply because we are keeping the commandments. That is to say, we are living in obedience to the Lord. That because of our obedience, other people would also be inspired to be obedient. When they see the life that you live, of a life of peace and joy and contentment and love, a life where a husband and a wife get along, where there is peace in the home, where it's a refuge for other people, people get attracted to that. And they might want some of that life. Does that make sense? And then maybe questions are asked, or else they just go to another place, another church, another teaching, another uh, place of teaching, where they might receive some of this stuff that they have seen in you, and so now you have been multiplied. It might multiply in your spouse. It might multiply in your children. It might multiply in your, those you go to church with. It might multiply with those you work with. Multiplication. Uh, and go in. So you don't have to, that land that he has for you over there, and possess that land that God has for you, that place that he has for you, that when you live a life of obedience, you get to go to a place with him of a spiritual capability, a capacity of spiritual power that he has for you, that without which, without obedience, you simply don't get to go in. It is not that you lost your salvation. It has nothing to do with salvation. You are saved. But if you don't have an obedient life, you don't get to go into certain places. Where he has something so special for you. And he says, I want, I want you to possess it. I want, you, I want this to be something permanent to you. As long as you live in a life of obedience... You get to possess this, what he has for you, to live a life that is so special. Not a life without difficulty. I'm not talking about heaven yet. This is a life that might have actually more difficulty than otherwise. So you're, you're not exempt from difficulty. There's not such a thing here on earth. There will be difficulty, as we have seen. In the world, you shall have tribulations, on and on and on and on. We talked about that in the message of Spain, part of Christianity. Verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. So, God had a purpose for the wilderness experience. He, God has always a purpose when he takes his children or he allows his children to go through difficulty. There is always a purpose in that. And part of the purpose he is describing over here, and part of the purpose we'll see a little bit later as well. And he says that he might humble you. This is... 
Humility is somebody wrote an article about what we need in the church. And one of the things, one of the points that this author was making was that we need less charisma and we need more humility. I couldn't agree with it more. Charisma means it is not that you will stop your charisma, but if it is about your charisma, that means it is about you. If it's about humility, it's about him. Okay, so God loves that in his children. And he will stop at very little, if anything, to humble his children. Here he took Israel into 40 years of the wilderness. Oh, 40 years of the wilderness, but I'm 70. I can't afford 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> Mine will be short-lived. About 10 years in the wilderness, and I'm going on with him. <laughs> yes, but he doesn't say you have to go through 40 years. He is, he's just saying that he's going to humble his children because he loves them that much. If there is one thing that I think that God hates maybe more than anything else, it's pride. Maybe, I said, okay, I chose my words carefully. Because just as I say that, I think of a proverb, a proverb over there that, you know, six things the Lord hates and the seventh thing makes it an abomination. And the seventh thing is he who divides brings division among his, the brethren. So he hates that maybe even worse. But anyways, pride, he hates it a lot. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Verse 3. And I think we're going to park here just a little bit. And he says, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. So he let you hunger. Once again, God always has a reason when he brings hunger pain, difficulty in the life of his children. Because as we read, and I don't know if you were aware of it when I read it, and maybe we'll get to it, that in the end, it is always for our good and for the good of the kingdom. Yes? And, and we, we, we're going to look at that because to me, it is a great truth, excuse me, that many of us, even when we know this truth, we miss it in our daily lives because we get so easily sidetracked when there is difficulty. And we think that God is mad with us. And I told you about a seven-day fast that the Lord wanted me to go on. And I can't fast. I mean, I fasted for years, once a week, but that was one meal. But a fast for many days, uh, there is a guy named Zerubbabel Ibanget, an African preacher, powerful preacher. And he says, you in America, when you fast, you have tea and peppermint and everything like that. You have to have peppermint because when you fast, your mouth, your breath stinks like crazy. Uh, so, uh, but he says, we in Africa, only water. Only water. Uh, so, he, because he fasted like, by the time I heard him, this is 20 years ago, he had fasted 
five times for 40 days. Not consecutively, not 200 days, okay? Five times, separate times for 40 days. So unless the Lord was going to help me out, I couldn't fast for seven days. I asked a brother of mine, and he says, the Lord will help you, and he'll show you when to do it. Because I used to teach tennis. I still teach a little bit. Uh, it's very physical and fasting. <laughs> the six, you know, I told you about the fourth or fifth day, more or less. I came from the bedroom into the kitchen, and my son had a pizza party going on over there. <laughs> I ran back to the bedroom. <laughs> All that smell, I couldn't handle it. Uh, 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 fasting. And so, uh, but God is allowing us sometimes to go through a period of, of, of hunger where he is withholding some things, or he allows other people to withhold some things. So we might go hungry for, give me, give me an idea. What, what, what do you go hungry for? Huh? A, wonder, a wonderful house. Oh, you're hungry. All right. What, what are you going to say? Hungry? Well, people are hungry for all kinds of things, right? Sometimes a little bit of tension. Sometimes they're hungry for love. Sometimes they're hungry for a, a lot of things and that maybe they are not getting, that, that is withheld. And so God wants us to know, God wants us to know a truth. Check this out. Let, let, let's go on and see. So he fed you with manna, which you did not know. Not did your fathers know. They didn't know anything about this manna thing. So God had given them already a new revelation by keeping them a, a little hungry. Uh, that... He might make you know. Now, he's not saying, he's not describing it this as that you might know. That he might make you know. God wants you to know this thing. And this is a great truth that we need to know. And this is a great truth that we often take for granted because we've heard it since our early days when we became a Christian. That you, he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You've heard that many times, right? The temptations of Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. And that man shall not live by bread alone. By bread alone. I have sometimes wondered what the Lord actually means exactly with that. You know, language is a funny deal. Sybil, a few years ago, wrote me a little card at my, whatever, 65th birthday or something like that. He says, I thank God for you. And it is unbelievable that you are, at 65, still such a handsome man. I think that was very nice. But wouldn't it have been nicer if he said that at 65 you were still such an unbelievably handy man, <laughs> a handsome man. See, a language is a funny thing. So, uh, uh, right? you, can, you can say to me, you're looking good. Or you can say to me, you're good looking. You see, there's a little difference there. So sometimes I wonder if when God says to us that man shall not live by bread alone, I wonder if he means that by bread alone, man shall not live. In other words, if, is he meaning that by bread alone, man will die? 
He won't live. It takes exclusively the word of God for him to live the spiritual life. We're talking about the spiritual life here, right? Or does it mean that man shall not live by bread alone? That is to say, he needs bread and he needs the word of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay? So, I wonder these things sometimes. Because when he allows us to be hungry, or when others withhold food from us because of our testimony of Jesus Christ, that happens all over the place, yes? I mean, even as we speak right now, it happens in other countries, and worse, then God wants us to know a truth. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because God wants us to know a truth. It doesn't matter what your cupboard looks like. It matters what God says. It doesn't matter that you see no food. It matters what God says. It matters. It doesn't matter that there are just a few loaves and fishes. It matters what God says. And then he feeds uh, an estimated 12,000 people, 5,000 men alone. So there's men, women, and children. So I estimate uh, uh, an estimated 12,000 people, and there's 12 baskets left. It matters what he says. Not what you think or what you see. Because... Man shall not live by bread alone. Matter of fact, some of the great testimonies that we know of people from the past is that they were starved for their faith. And they still minister to us today. You remember that song? I can't sing, of course, but... Uh, could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every man on earth, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. This came not in this poem form. Somebody else put it in a, in a poem form. But this is what they found written on the wall of somebody who was starved because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And they would just, uh, uh, every other day, they would, in the little hole uh, of, the, of the door, they would pass a little breath that would last him for two days. And then he sent us back to the other side wanting some more. One day, that cup never came back to the other side. And they realized he was dead. And this is what was the writing on the wall that they found. A man without bread. A man without food. But it mattered what God said. And still today, I for one marvel at his testimony. He is not talking about that, you know, God is God Almighty in the heavens. He's talking about 
the love of God when he's being starved to death. How does that happen? When you know the word of God and you count on the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Then it is to me such a special revelation that God gave to them because these are the very same words. Are you cold? Are you guys cold? Okay, okay. These are the very same words that Jesus used to defend himself. Let us look at, at, at Luke, the fourth, the fourth chapter, and we're looking at verses 1 through 4, then we look at verse 14 and verse 18. And we'll see there that Jesus had gone on a fast for 40 days. And the Spirit of God sent him into the wilderness. I suppose to spend some time alone with the Lord. And he was hungry, the Bible says. But he was led by the Spirit. And wouldn't you know, when Satan thinks he's got an end, when Satan thinks that you are hungry, when Satan thinks that you are hungry for attention and hungry for appreciation and hungry for whatever else and you're not getting it, he is going to come in there and try to do something. Hey, how come your wife is not appreciating you? Hey, how come your husband is not appreciating you? If he appreciated you, he would do such and such. Trying to get in there. So, he's trying to get in here with Jesus. Knowing that Jesus is hungry, he says, hey, why don't you turn this rock into some bread? Implying that they have something to eat. This is the defense of Jesus. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from God. Another translation says that every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, whatever. It is all the same. So you see, when the Lord allows me to be hungry, whatever that might mean, whether it is in difficulty, Glenn, or when it is in, in, in literally no food or no money or whatever it might be, then Satan is going to want to get in there but you let him know that man shall not live by bread alone. And God wants us to know this. He wants to make us know it. And this is what he did with Israel. Yeah, okay. And then, so now, you remember, if you look in your Bible, if you have looked the fourth chapter there with you, and in, in, in the first verse, it says that, that Jesus was led by the Spirit. He went in. Led by the Spirit. He came out in verse 14 in the power of the Spirit. And in verse 18, it says that the Spirit of God was upon him and had anointed him. So my question to you is then, brothers and sisters, do you want to live in the power of the Spirit Because God wants to make you know. So when God allows you to be a little hungry, for whatever it might be, 
or he allows others to make you hungry. You got the word of God to sustain you and to keep you and to take you to places that you otherwise may not have been able to go to. So we're going back to what verse were we at? Verse 3. So, uh, verse 3. There is so much there. Part of, part of the idea is, you know, Melissa, she makes these wonderful cakes and these, whatever, the, uh, the, uh, how you call those little ones? Cupcakes. Cupcakes and cakes. And some of you people that bake, you know, you know how this works. Uh, you make your cake batter and put the stuff in there. And then when you have made all that batter there, then you put it in the oven, right? Is that correct? And then, so now you are applying some heat to it, yes? And then when it comes out of the oven, yes? Then you apply the icing on the cake, yes? Okay, my dear brothers and sisters, this is sort of like the spiritual life. Is that, let me just put it this way. The icing comes after the heat. The icing comes after the heat. If you don't get the heat, you don't get the icing. <laughs> and that is our problem. When God wants to apply some heat, we're running. Oh, no, God, I don't want it. <laughs> but hey, if you just go through the heat, you get the icing. You get an extra blessing. The icing on the cake. Verse 4. Did I finish with this? Okay, yes. Verse 4. Where am I? Your clothing did not wear out on, on you. And your, your food did not swell these 40 years. So I just, just want to say that God is trying to illustrate that. He's, he, they know it. He's just reminding them of it. And he is telling us about it. Are you cold, cold brother? Are you guys? Okay, uh, thank you. No, 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 I'm okay. Because you're a man, you say you're good. But, but the women said they were cold. I just get, I just do a little bit like this. So when I said people go like I, I, I get the idea. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah, he's just reminding them and he is reminding us what he's done for the Israelites. He says, in those 40 years, your clothes didn't even wear out. How long does it take for your clothes to wear out? Well, it depends what you do with it. How about you, Oscar? Your clothes wear out what? A couple of weeks, whatever. <laughs> Something like that. You know, uh, uh, as a tennis pro, my tennis shoes, when I used to teach a lot, they would wear out in, in less than a month. Okay. <laughs> Forty years. And they walked quite a bit. Uh, so, anyways, your clothing doesn't wear out. And your food did not swell for 40 years. He took care of them as they were going through. Know then in your heart 
Know then in your heart. He wants us to know something in our heart. Also in our head, but not just in the head. He wants it in a deeper place than that, in our heart. That as a man disciples his, disciplines his son, the Lord will discipline you. As a man, it is not saying that God will disciple you the same measure of, the, of, of, disciple, of, of disciplining. As I say disciple, I mean discipline. It's the same measure of disciplining that a man does. God knows to discipline you better than man does. But he says, in the same sort of a way as a father disciplines his son, that is how your heavenly father also disciplines you. And here you have, once again, the idea of that when discipline comes our way, we balk at it. We fight against it. But God is disciplining us so that we might do better. My mom told me to go brush my teeth because she wanted me to have teeth when I was 70 years old. <laughs> Kenny, don't forget to brush your teeth. Oh, mama, okay, mom, okay. You know, I forget half the time anyways. But, uh, you know, uh, 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 Kenny, hey, hey, uh, 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 make sure you study. Make sure you, you, you do your homework. You know, hey, Kenny, 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 don't, don't, don't get into debt. If you can, of course, I got into great debt. But uh, uh, my mom was always getting me to do some disciplined stuff, making my bed, brushing my teeth, and so on and so forth. So, and th- so he, he disciplines us. And then he goes on to say, So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways, and by fearing him, walking in his ways, Sybil and I, we pray often that the Lord would teach us, show us his ways, teach us his ways, that we might walk in them so that others might also be taught his ways. Lord, teach me your ways and teach me to walk in them. So, where are we going now? Verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now he's telling us where he's bringing us into. A good land. He's bringing us into a good land. A good land. A place where you want to be. A land, and he's describing it. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. Let's stay there for just a second. And, and, and you, you, you see here described that this is a land of overflow. Yes? I mean, when I hear about brooks and fountains and these type of things, I'm thinking something is flowing here. There is water flowing. In our scenario, it means that he takes taking us to a land that there is Plenty or overflow of spiritual capacity for us. That we might walk as spiritual people. Not just as carnal people walk. But as spiritual people walk. Uh, And he is more than willing to give us an overflow. Then he goes on to say, 
and oil and honey. And then verse 8 says, I'm sorry, 9 says, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. There, will no be, no, there won't be any lack in this land in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You might have well have said gold or whatever. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. There will be no lack in this land. That we said in verse 1. That if you keep his commandments. If you live a life of obedience. That this is the land he's taking you into. A land of overflow. Don't you want to live in a land like that? That's where I want to be. A land of overflow. Where I have an overflow of love for my wife. And my children. And my brothers and sisters. Where I have an overflow of joy. Where I have an overflow of peace. Where I have an overflow of kindness. A land of overflow. And he says, you shall eat and be full. How many of us have not eaten till we were full? That is to say, has any one of us ever lacked any food to eat? To be full? That is not my problem. My problem is, I should eat less. And still be thankful. But he says, there is so much food, you can eat till you're full. And then he wants you to bless him and be thankful for it. And my dear brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, are you thankful for what the Lord supplies you with? Hey, that was a pretty good amen. That was about half of you or so, but nevertheless, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I, I, I expected somebody to stand on the pew or whatever. Hey, amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, anyway, no, no, it's all right. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I, I would go, somebody help me up. Somebody help me up. <laughs> yeah, Brother John is giving us a wave. <laughs> yeah. A land of overflow. What a beautiful thing. You shall eat till be full. And shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So I think we're going we're gonna to make it pretty good here. Uh, we're going to go a little bit faster. Verse 11 says this. Take care lest you forget the Lord. Another translation says, beware. Beware. Beware, that means God wants you to pay attention. Okay? He's given you this overflow. He's given you a land full of flowing. He's given you a land full of figs and vines and honey and, 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 and a land that the, 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 the stones are iron and, and out of the hills you can, you can dig copper. That's the land he's given you. He's given you land that you can eat to the full. And he says, beware. When I've given you that, 
that you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built houses. He's describing some more of that land. He is throwing in sort of like a semi-warning and a semi-teaching. He say, beware to give God the glory. Beware that you bless God. Not like King Herod. Brother John was going to tell me, he says, King Herod, he had worms. Yes. Not like King Herod, who stole the glory from the Lord and did not give the Lord the glory. And some translations say the worms ate him up. Another translation says maggots ate him up immediately because he didn't give God the glory. My dear brothers and sisters, be careful when it comes to the glory of the Lord. It is not yours. Be careful of the glory of the Lord because it is not his, whoever this person is, that other person that you want to put on a pedestal. He or she doesn't belong there. Only the Lord belongs there. You don't do anyone any favors by putting them on a pedestal. It only belongs to God. God might not have worms for them, <laughs> but that's not your place. Don't, don't desire that place of the pedestal. Don't desire the place of honor. It belongs to God. Don't desire the place of honor and thinking that you did it. And so he goes on to say, and I'm going to go a little bit faster because this doesn't need a lot of explanation. Uh, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Isn't just about all that we have multiplied? Thank you. Multiplied pairs of shoes. Multiplied shirts. Multiplied dresses. Multiplied cars. There's nothing wrong with that. God is not saying there's something wrong with that. Just don't say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll read further on, and then, then your heart will be lifted up. This, your heart will be lifted up. That means you, now you're going to an area of pride. That's what it means. Your heart was lifted up. You thought, whew, look at me. And you forgot, you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. There's the out of right over there. Out of the house of slavery. Out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then let's go to 14. Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. Hey, listen. I, I was there all the way with you, he's saying. Not only have I brought you into a land of overflow and, 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 and plenty. But he says, I brought you through a, a difficult period. And I was there with you all the way. There was no water. I got water out of a rock for you. And then 16 says this. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna. My father says, he's already told us that. Might humble you and test you. And to do you good in the end. This is why, this is the reasons. 
for your good in the end. In the end, it is for your good. So that's why he wants us to know some truths. So we don't get, when we get hungry, we don't get all dejected. And <laughs> No, we praise the Lord. The Lord has something special in mind. So when you're hungry, or whatever difficulty you find yourself in, the question is, sister, the question is, God, what do you have for me in this? Because he's got something for you in this. We're going to go faster because I know we run out of time. Uh, beware lest you say you. Okay, now this is the one, and that's why I, I, I just have to finish this verse a little bit. And, and, and so, beware. Beware. Here it is. Lest you say in your heart, when he's brought you into this land, where there is plenty and overflow, and he's gotten you through difficulty, a wilderness, and now you're enjoying a multiplied everything, and you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. My dear brothers and sisters, it's the height of arrogance. Amen. I hope you never go over there. Look what I've brought you out of. Look what I've brought you through. Look what I've brought you into. And you say it was by the power of my hand? That's the height of arrogance. He says this. Next, he says this. 18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God for this. He who gives you the power to get wealth. And he may conform his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. It is the Lord. We're going to stop over here because uh, 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 the rest has to do with that you'll perish and if, if you're disobedient, the, 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 the opposite is also true that if you obey, that you shall not perish, you shall have, have, be in a land of overflow. So, do you know people that God has blessed them abundantly? God might have blessed them such that maybe you find yourself even a little jealous. Not really jealous, but a little jealous. I've been there. I, I, I didn't stay there. I don't want to stay there. Because God has given me plenty. I have no reason to be jealous of anyone. Yes, yeah, so, boom. And immediately the Holy Spirit arrested my attention and I'm, I'm back to where I'm, I'm supposed to be, okay? All right? But... Uh, some of those people, they would say in their heart, and they would say with their mouth, it is because of me that I have this, and wouldn't give the glory to the Lord. I told you last week that there were some days of the week before I basically shuffled like this. I had the hardest time getting in the car because it hurt like crazy. My back was out. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you have in this for me? What, 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 what is the lesson that I should learn? 
And there were many things. Not the least of which was, be grateful when your back is good. Look at me. Oh, man, I'm good. My back is good. You know, last week I thought I was going to go up like this. Look at me now. Here, thank you. Be careful. Don't fall because <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> so, but, you know, this is a silly thing that came out of it. Because when I sat down, when my back was hurt, one of the things that felt really, really good, not getting up, that hurt like crazy. But once I had strained on my back, it felt really, really good to, ah, to stretch like this. And I've decided, when I get up from the bed, I will always stretch now. And praise the Lord. Just a gesture of, Lord, thank you for healing my back. Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you that I'm your child. God, thank you that you love me to the ends. Thank you for everything. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my grandchildren. Lord, thank you for his home. Modest as it is. But this is not modest compared to other homes that I've seen in other places. Compared to other places, this is like a palace. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, thank you for all that you have given us. And Lord, make me careful to share with other people that which you have given to me. Lord, when I'm hungry, what do you have in it for me that I should grow with? Not from a selfish point of view, but when he causes you some pain or allows you pain, it is always for your spiritual muscle. I better not preach anymore. Let us stand.